Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Morgan Rochard. Morgan, are you ready to do this? I'm excited to be here. Thanks, George. Excellent. Let's do this. Morgan is a CFA, a CFP. She is the managing member and financial planner at Origin Wealth Advisors and podcast host at Money Owners. I'm excited to have you on. Morgan, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, sure. So I run my own business based out of Brooklyn, New York. I've had my own registered investment advisor now for about four and a half years. I work with young families um, and who want to retire early. And I use that term loosely because it's really more like work by choice rather than by necessity. And um, they typically are busy families in their 30s and 40s. And I just find a lot of meaning in my work. I've worked in finance for the last decade, not always with people. And working with people has really just sort of brought my two worlds together where I feel like I can do the math behind the scenes, but I can also make a difference in people's lives. I love it. And I love this uh, this idea of being a money owner. And you talk about a person saving or finished um, for a joy. Um, And now I'm I'm doing a terrible job because I can't read my own (laughs) handwriting. (laughs) It's a person saving or finished for a joy approaches goal. I'll, I'll stop talking and let me tell and let you tell everybody what it is. <laughs> so yeah, I came up with the with a second business called Money Owners um, and that's focused on financial coaching. So the difference between planning and coaching being that planning is, is investment focused um, and obviously not everything in planning is investment focused, but that the investments support a financial plan, whereas coaching is more just about kind of cash flow management, managing your brain around your finances, being really more geared toward behavioral like things that you can do around behavior change to live the richest life with the money that you have. So the idea behind being a money owner is that you're either in the process of saving for something that you want to do in your life, or you've already finished saving and you actually, you own that money and now you can go out and do the things that you want to do and be very deliberate about how you live. Got it. How hard is it to, to get people to that place or, or maybe it's easy. I think it depends on the person. Uh, And I I say it depends so much and I hear myself saying it and I'm just like, oh, God. Uh, (laughs) But it really does depend. So um, it depends on whether or not you want to be that kind of a person. Um, And sometimes we don't even know whether or not that's something that we want to do until we really evaluate our thoughts and think about what all the things that we're doing in our life and actually evaluating whether or not those things that we're thinking about and doing are things that we actually want to do. So I think the first step to becoming a money owner is – to just be a little bit more deliberate and be aware of all of the thoughts that you're having. I mean, we have, I think I read a statistic, it's like 17,000 thoughts a day. Most of them are unconscious and a lot of them are repeated over and over and over again. So just like taking a step back and saying, Hey, like, what am I thinking? Um, and this like obviously applies to more than just your finances, but like specifically related to your finances, we have all these embedded thoughts and things that we make things mean in our lives. And we never even take time to like question whether or not those thoughts in our brain are just thoughts and not truths. Yeah, I think that that's a really important thing. I forget what the number is. It's something very alarming that talks about our brains wander like 70% of the time or 60% of the time or something <laughs> like that. And and what thoughts are consistently going through my head, right? Are they the right ones? Are they the wrong ones? Do I think about it? And should I even really believe the things that I think anyway? So. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And when I actually started doing that for myself, so the only reason why I'm even out here telling other people to do that is because I finally started doing it for myself. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what are all these things I'm thinking? It's like, it's really bad. I would put them down on a paper and I would just be like, I don't like that one. I don't like this one. I don't like that one. Like, <laughs> I got to change all these. What do I have to do to like to live the life that I want to live? And what kind of person do I want to be? I, I think that it really demands that anybody who's going to endeavor to help other people needs to be working on making sure that they are the best possible version of themselves, specifically in the um, the area of practice that they're working on. So I appreciate that very much. And it's something that, that I'm working on and working towards all the time also. Because um, if you're not considering and trying to be a better thinker and a better evaluator of things, then I think that you are missing out on a lot of it because the world today demands that we are good critical thinkers. Yeah, for sure. That and like, it's really hard to help other people when you can't even help yourself. Um, it's like that idea of, you know, clean your own room before you go out into the world and try to fix everything. Um, if you can't even do it for yourself, how are you supposed to help somebody? How are you supposed to show them the path? And that doesn't mean that like I'm a saint and that I'm great at this and I do it and like I'm always 100% thinking the things that I want to think, right? Like, it, I don't think that that's the point. I think that it's a practice um, and that, the more we're aware of the things that we're doing, the easier it is to actually take a step back, detach, and reevaluate our thoughts. Totally agree. So I think that everybody probably knows that we're supposed to be writing, talking about our goals, thinking about our goals, and then writing them down. But unless you actually do it, the odds that you're going to get there, so on and so forth, but so few people actually do it. So I, I like the idea about being deliberate and making sure that we are being cognizant about these things. Is it a matter of just sitting down with people and, and asking them, hey, ha have you really considered what it is that you're interested in having from a financial standpoint for your family? Walk me through that process of, of, of how you help people get there. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's kind of amazing about my work and how it's evolved is that um, my first meeting with clients, even before they sign up to, to be um, a client of Origin Wealth Advisors, is we sit down for um, over an hour and I just ask them questions and I really listen to them and I let them talk about their relationship with money, how it's evolved over time, what are the best hopes are for their financial future, what are the things that they're hoping to accomplish through financial planning, um, what they want from their career. I mean, we go through a whole list. It's, a, it's about a five page long questionnaire. And I just sit there and I take notes and I ask probing questions and I listen. Um, and I think the key is really listening. Like, I think that one of the things that financial planning Maybe it, it's it's just it's not taught in the curriculum like we're taught the skills to be financial planners, but we're not actually taught how to interact with the clients that we're doing the financial planning for. Um, so we're not taught to like to really listen to somebody and make them feel heard. And sometimes it's it's like the first conversation that anyone's ever had with somebody else about money because nobody's ever sat down with them and taken the time to actually listen to what they have to say about it. Um, and that alone can be enough to to propel somebody towards doing the things that they want to do financially. Um, I mean, sometimes it, it takes more than <laughs> it takes more than somebody listening to you for an sure. hour. But other times, like it really it could just be that somebody walks outside and talks to a lamppost like it doesn't even have to be a human being about all of the goals and things that they want to do financially or really in anything in their lives. If they just took that time to do that and say it out loud and be heard like things would happen, which is amazing to me. I, yeah, it, it, it truly is. And 
perhaps it's an indictment of of humanity's listening skills or their patience or 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 their question asking ability but who knows but it is yeah very, very, i think that i'm like we're so busy just blabbing our mouths off like <laughs> i even find myself in meetings like hey just like stuff a sock in your mouth and listen like this is your job listen <laughs> you know <laughs> two ears and one mouth right yeah exactly and so I, I, I think that that's great. And just being able to engage people in, a, in an environment where they feel comfortable uh, sharing that stuff and just the act of it, I think, is so important to your point. Um, I also think that, that the financial planning process can be intimidating. And if people pay attention to financial media too much, they think that it's this crazy, complex, confusing world, when in reality, it doesn't necessarily need to be. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the number one thing is so people, they seek out financial planning because they maybe have three concerns that they want to work on in their lives. Right. So all of us planners were going out there and we're saying, oh, we offer this comprehensive, like sophisticated, big financial plans. And you have to do all of these things to like get your financial plan in order. And when in reality, it's like people have their top three concerns. They want you to address them. Yeah, like there's probably some other stuff in there that I know they should be addressing, but that doesn't mean I need to throw it in their face and make their plan super complicated. Um, we like I think like, I'm a huge proponent of like keep it simple, even if it's not easy to, to actually execute on like simple is key. Uh, yes, <laughs> I think that people expect complexity and layers of things. And sometimes I feel like I almost need to give them a little bit of complexity and then boil it down because that's what they expect. But at the end of the day, I think that it's not really as complicated as, 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 as people think that it is. And oftentimes as well, I think that if you give people too much, then you violate their planning tolerance and then they're not able to make decisions about things. And so they're just stuck in the rut that they were stuck in in the first place. Yeah, definitely. I think financial professionals and probably, I guess, across the board, I'm including accounting really in that is like we tend to be very transactional focused um, and we throw a lot of numbers and complexity at a client because we think that that's what makes that gives them like shows them our value. Whereas like the value is actually us boiling that down into plain English and executing the things that they actually want to have done in their financial lives. Right. Rather than the reverse of us, like throwing all this complexity on top of them and then saying, OK, like we're going to pile this complexity on top of your life instead of the other way around of like piling their life on top of the complexity and making it simple. Right. So you are both a certified financial planner and a uh, and a CFA. How does mm -hmm. that how do you reconcile those in in your head? How do you uh, how do you approach I, I guess how I'm sure that it benefits you to have both of those things, but how do you feel you really use the CFA? Yeah, that's a great question, and uh, I hope the <laughs> I hope the CFA Institute's not listening to my answer. I think that I needed to go through three years of the CFA program to realize that markets are efficient, and all you have to do is like buy an index. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know, like there are a lot of people who are who have their their CFA um, designation who would totally disagree with me, but. Um, for what I do and who I work with, like the simplicity and having predictable returns is way more important than like evaluating companies and um, having active, like being able to manage, like manage active portfolios and evaluating active mutual funds. I think like at the end of the day, if you're creating a financial plan and somebody wants to achieve a goal, let's say in 10, 15, 20 years, it means a lot more to know that, hey, like on a 60, 40 portfolio, I know you're going to probably, you know, earn somewhere around between six and seven percent. And we can plan off of that rather than like, you know, throwing a bunch of alternative investments in there, some active stuff, some stock picking and then like, you know, hoping for the best and swinging for the fences. I don't really think that that actually helps anybody um, and is super hard to plan for. 
Yeah, there's no two ways about that. So I have the benefit of talking to a lot of different, uh, many different financial professionals on on the show and from different backgrounds and um, different experience. And I, I, I do believe that there are a small number of people that are devoting their lives to being active traders. And I think that they can probably do a great job and, and make money in the market and do better than the market. But it's a very, very small amount of people. And those people devote their entire lives to it and stare at screens all day long. Um, how, how do you counsel people to, if they do want to become better at investing, how, how to educate themselves? Yeah. So we always start with what kind of life do you want to live? And I love that you mentioned about people staring at screens all day because I used to be one of those people. So I started my career as an equity options trader and I did that for two years and I stared at screens. I was up all night. I would be checking China markets because I thought that it mattered um, and doing all the things that traders do, like really being glued to the screen. Um, and that was I didn't know it at the time, but that wasn't the kind of life that I wanted to live. So sometimes it helps to just start there of like, hey, you know, if you want to be a great market timer, like, do you know all of the things that are involved in being that? Um, and then also kind of learning the statistics on that. So let's say you're a really good market timer and you are right 70 percent of the time. Um, that's a probability that takes place on every single one of your decisions you make. So on the first decision, right, it's 70%. But on the second decision, it's a 70% times 70%. So now you're less than 50% right. And they, it just keeps compounding, right, that you're going to keep being right over time. And I know you don't have to be right on every single trade to, to make money on them. But like the point there being that like, yeah, there are people out there who can do it. Um, it's just very unlikely that you will be one of them. Um, and then the third thing being like, if you, if you want to be a good investor, um, I guess I'm probably not the right person to talk to about this because I really do believe that markets are efficient. So for me, it's more about exposure therapy for my clients to learn that markets are efficient and how we invest and why we invest the way that we do and why it's more important to be diversified and to have an asset allocation that best matches like your portfolio needs and your risk tolerance rather than like trying to, um, trying to like try to time the market or pick certain investments that'll do better than others. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think that sometimes you, I, I hundred percent all the time wish that people would learn from the mistakes that I have made, um, of trying to pick individual stocks. Um, but I think a lot of the times people just need to make those mistakes on their own to reach the realization that, yes, for the most part, markets are pretty efficient and this is probably a better strategy for me. But we just do the best work that we can. So tell me a little bit about uh, giving purpose and vision to money. Yeah, sure. So for me, that means that you're feeling feeling good about the way you're using your money um, and that you're not only feeling good about the way that you're using money, but that you like your reasons behind it. So it goes back to this whole thing that we've been talking about, about changing the thoughts in your brain. Um, and it's to me, the most important thing is to not only like to not only feel good about the way that you're using money, but to like the reasons why you're doing the things that you're doing. So to not just kind of go off of these things that you've heard since you were a kid about like how you're supposed to use money or that you're supposed to you know, you're supposed to buy a house because that's what your parents told you, or you're supposed to have a certain amount of debt for whatever reason or another. People have a lot of different ideas about why they should or shouldn't have debt, like debt is good or debt is bad. Right. And all of those things, they, they don't, there's no one right answer to any of that, um, which is kind of interesting. It's only, it only, there's only a right answer if you don't like what you're thinking. 
and you don't like your results as, as like a, you don't like the results of what you're thinking. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's a, it's, I'm trying to get my arms around it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like it's a little bit of a mind. It's like a it, it's a little bit of a mind warp. Like so if, for instance, the example I like to use is like um, my parents told me when I was a kid that I was supposed to own a home because I feel like um, as a you know, as a millennial, that that's that's a pretty common thing that you hear from the baby boomer generation. So I get clients a lot who say, like, I need to own a home. And when it really comes down to it, like they maybe don't have the cash flow or they don't like because they have other things happening, um, like they maybe have student loan debt and they can't put aside the amount of the down payment that they need to go get this home. Um, and when we really unpack that thought, it's just the thought that they're having. It's not actually a truth that they need to own this home. It's just been there because they've been told since they were three years old that, you know, being a homeowner is the only way that you can accrue wealth. Got it. I think that that definitely makes sense. So just because society has certain norms does not mean that they apply to you and yes. helping you to really understand what's of value. I think that that's one of the great gifts that you can truly give to somebody is to help them really explore what their personal values are. Because number one, I think that the traditional places that we've been given values, those have become less and less popular with each generation. So fewer people are getting them like organized religion for a lot of people. So if you are not considering what you consider, if you're not thinking about your values, then somebody else is going to put it in your head. So, Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because when my parents, when I first opened my own business, my parents were questioning me about, you know, who I was taking on as clients. Um, and they had a very standard idea for who I needed to work with just based on like what their generation's wealth managers worked with or people who have a lot of assets. Um, and you're always trying to find that million dollar client type of a thing. Um, and when I told my parents that I wanted to work with people who didn't want to work for money, they were like, what are you saying? Were you crazy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, cause I don't really like working for money. Like I, I love what I do. I find huge amounts of meaning in my work, but I don't necessarily, I mean, I do it for money because like I like being compensated. Um, but that's not how I, that's not how I've wrapped my life. Like I, I don't, I don't view my life as like, I do these things only for the money. Like I do these things because I love doing these things and I happen to also get paid for them, which is nice. Amen, sister. Well, Morgan, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah. So I would say change your brain. So the number one thing for you to do after listening to this podcast is to go get a pad and a paper, a pad and a pen, old fashioned, do not do this on your computer, get even a post-it note. And just write down everything that you're thinking right now and then check off the ones that you like as good thoughts and keep thinking them and cross out the ones that you don't like and work on changing them. Oh, I love it. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. <laughs> and amen. I mean, again, put pen to paper. Do not use this. Do not use your smartphone for this. So Morgan, thank you so much for coming on Working Savage Nation to learn more about you. Yeah. So um, Origin Wealth Advisors is originwa.com. Uh, the Money Owners Podcast can be found at moneyowners.com forward slash podcast. I'm on Twitter at Morgan with an E, M-O-R-G-E-N, Rochard. Um, and Money Owners is also on Twitter, which is at money underscore owners. Awesome. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Morgan your appreciation and share today's show. The friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to originwa.com. Go to moneyowners.com. You can find her podcast there and follow her on Twitter as well. Thank you again, Morgan. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.
What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!